Science. Welcome to Probably Science. I am Andy Wood, joined as always by Matt Kirshen. Hey. Brooks Whelan. Yes. And a special guest to be named shortly. This is Probably let's, Science. Let's do like 20 minutes without bringing our guest in. <laughs> he can't talk. I, I, luckily, we are in season here in the backyard at Bluebell Ranch, and the birds are... Are singing along with us. It's <laughs> they're animated <laughs> bluebirds flying all around my head right now. It's straight up song of the south. <laughs> little did, little do we know that a man of a thousand voices. Uh, our guest today is also a master of birds, birdsman, birdsmith, bird caller, bird caller, bird caller. I like birdsmith. I like birdsmith as well. <laughs> it sounds like you forged them on an anvil. <laughs> Well, yeah, our guest is your local birdsmith, James Adomian. Oh, my God, that magic words. <laughs> I, was in, I was trapped in bird form from a wizard. Well, we're glad you got out in time to record the podcast. Thanks. Did you and the wizard say a word at the same time, and then you have to whistle until he buys you a Coke? It's really hard to play word games with wizards, yeah. because then you get turned into a bird. <laughs> That's petty. I, I, see that, I see that as being kind of petty. <laughs> it is. Like Using wiz- your powers all... Fancy like that. Wizards yeah. and trolls and leprechauns, they're nothing if not petty. They're dra- draconian. They are draconian. They follow rules yeah. very to the letter. Right? You know who else is draconian? Who? Dragons. Dragons, by yeah. definition as well. Is that actually the root of that word? I don't know. It's, I don't know. it's uh, probably not. Dracos, I believe. Okay, that makes more sense. I believe that was a figure who had some uh, some uh, outrageous laws. Oh, okay. Now, you know, it's the- not the bad guy from Rocky IV. It's not- <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that is the same guy. Oh, okay. And the same, it's a bad guy from Harry Potter. It makes sense now. The, the bad kid's name is Draco. Yeah, it's the same Draco. Draco. I love how yeah, on the, the Harry- nose every single Harry Potter name has to be Draco Malfoy. It also has like Mal, like Malfeasance built into it. And like Slytherin, like it couldn't be, more, like, can you be a little more subtle with the names? Like obviously you name the house Slytherin. It's not going to be. Badston worth- awfulness. Exactly. <laughs> Badston. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Goody McGuireson. Yeah. yeah. Why did we name our son Badston? <laughs> we must team. have known how he's going to We set, set him down a really tough path. Yeah. <laughs> I like them at the at the um, parent teacher conference. Badston is a good kid, all right. <laughs> it's, just, it's just you. You're the bad teacher. Cerberus. Cerberus is a good child. <laughs> <laughs> Leave him to his studies. I don't know. He tried to murder four students. That's why we're having this. Boys will be boys. Perhaps it was that time. <laughs> like, may I introduce you to uh, Ne'er Do Well No Goodnick <laughs> and his friends Tom Foolery and Shenanigans. That sounds like a real ragtag group. They're no good. Don't hang out with them. Um, so, guys, we are we are all still. They're in very charming, though. Very, extremely charming. They're actually pretty fun to hang out with for about two weeks. Who, who's the best? Do you think Tom Foolery or Shenanigans? Tom Foolery, obviously. <laughs> shenanigans. He's a fun guy. His name is Shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. Really? That Shenanigans. That's Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry Finn's name could have just been Shenanigans. If he was yeah. Irish. Yeah. yeah. Or Jiggery Pokery. What? Jiggery pokery. Is that, is that a British? That sounds that? racist. <laughs> it does. It sounds it, but it isn't. It's one of those useful words. <laughs> I feel like it's that's, for when you need to sound when you racist, need to sound racist, but, but not will, actually be. You have plausible deniability. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like the name of like a Rick Perry vacation spot to me. <laughs> like, I didn't know it had another meaning. I thought we could just call a ranch jiggery. Mc, what is it again? Jiggery pokery. Jiggery. Pokery. What does that mean? It means it means shenanigans. All right. It sounds both. It sounds both homophobic and racist. <laughs> all right, let's get into science. Uh, okay. James. Before we do, before we do, I want to paint the picture for the listeners. So all four of us just in the past week, 
returned from Portland's Bridgetown Comedy Festival. Yeah, you might have noticed last week's podcast went up a little bit late. Like three days late. <laughs> That's on me. Yeah. Well, it's on all of us. We're like, It was like four in the morning on Monday, and Andy was like, oh, I forgot to put up the podcast. And I was like, we'll get to it. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Wednesday, I'm like, have anybody seen the podcast yet? <laughs> have anybody? <laughs> have anybody seen Beatles? it? But uh, James, this was your. Have you been there every year, all five years? I believe so. Most of them. Yeah, oh. I've been there all five. What was your take on this? I've year? I've seen Bridgetown, raised, weaned. <laughs> you. I don't think you actually. I don't think you actually have ever stayed in my house. But in the early days of the festival, many of the comedians just slept on the floor of my house. <laughs> I think I did after one of the parties. We had an after yeah. party at my house one of the nights where I think. Wait, do you still have a house there? I just rent it out. Yeah, I get it. I, I get it. But um, I loved late night. It just turned into uh, j- just pull the string on James making you do impressions. I still have video of you doing Ariana Huffington drunkenly in the front yard of my house and yeah, Paul F. Tompkins, <laughs> Vincent Price. That was awesome. Two thousand eight, I think it was. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, boy, oh boy. Yeah, you did characters every a different character each night this year, right? Yeah, I kind of I, I fooled everybody. It was real fun. Yeah, it was like, hey, catch James and see what they, what guys he's going to be in. That's at least how I imagined it. Yeah, which, I don't know if anybody was going around catching <laughs> me at all the places. Who's James going to be today? <laughs> that was what I was asking myself. <laughs> Let's, um, can you do? Can we ask you a question and Jesse the Body Ventura answer? It real what, would, why? Is, is Jesse here? Can we speak with Jesse? <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Ventura. Do you have access to Jesse? <laughs> Mr. Ventura, um, what what is your take on science? You think Mr. Ventura is the way to address a former <laughs> governor? <laughs> Got it. Good. Did, did you study science, Mr. Uh, governor Ventura? I don't study science. Scientists study me. <laughs> I'm an anomaly of the human physiognomy. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's awesome. I'm an I'm an anatomic I'm an anatomical anomaly. I'm an anomalata kanaman. Mr. Ventura, if you could fight, uh, have just a straight up you versus another animal, and you think it would be a good fight, what animal would that be? Well, I've personally bested a leopard. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good. Good answer. This is partly fun because James is doing a very funny character. But I'm also just partly enjoying. This is the closest Brooks is going to get to interviewing a professional wrestler. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Yeah, Brooks was uh, Jake the Snake Roberts at the, at the show in Bridgetown. Yeah, it was really fun. Me, Jake the Snake DDT, Jesse the Body Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I didn't realize this. DDT is probably the easiest move yeah. for unprofessionals to do. <laughs> Can I, I? I'm going to have to admit lack of knowledge on this. DDT is what you just put somebody's head underneath your armpit and then fall backwards. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was a pile of... No, pile drivers, their heads between your legs. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that no. one's tricky. Like, that one's... What does the DDT stand for? That one can for? go horribly wrong. It was... Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a pesticide. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a World War II era uh, not, defoliant. Not, not even. Like, it's still around. Like, uh, But it's really bad. Like, DD, DDT was... I remember around the 80s, it was a big environmental catastrophe. Well, that whole silent stream. water table. Yeah, yeah. That book but wasn't it strange. originally developed? Isn't it like Agent Orange, and that it was developed as a as something war related or not? Am I crazy? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. It might have been. I mean, most things were developed for war True. originally. I would say though, <laughs> just most things. Just the most telephone. Things. The telephone was developed in World like, War One. Most most inventions, as far as I can work out, came from either war or porn. Hot like, air balloons just... came from war, for real. Like that's how they uh, they like in the Civil War, 
the general would like get would in like spy. a hot air balloon and then go up to like get to see the battlefield from like way up a high vantage. And then the guns were so <laughs> bad they couldn't shoot it down. Like, yeah, it's right there. We just can't wow. get it. Yeah, I don't think they ever successfully shot one down. Yeah, and that yeah. balloon is still floating to this day. Right? <laughs> it's just a dead. And there's still on the clear night. Right. You can still. There's an old general up there. <laughs> Bones. Yeah, long exactly. gray beard. The beard is still there. Yeah, we yeah. should have figured out how to bring it down, too. All right, let's I, go through. I, I go think ahead. I think that uh, the whoever is running PR flack for DDT in the 80s, once it becomes a wrestling finish, finisher <laughs> move, you know you've lost your your public <laughs> relations battle. Or have you won? Or have you won? <laughs> like, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Seriously, and- all the kids are talking about yeah. our new, <laughs> our new uh, chemical. Yeah, but it's a, it's a way for the bad guy to beat the good guy <laughs> but they're talking as um, soon as as soon as stone cold steve austin starts using the high fructose corn syrup yeah, to, exactly. to, to defeat <laughs> that would be awesome yeah well actually the stone cold stunner was uh artificial sweetener that they oh used <laughs> but by the way that's how dated my references for wrestling are i don't know anybody past steve austin and he's been you good. don't need to know anybody okay. past steve austin so. <laughs> Except for John Cena. He's and I'm talking about the million dollar man, not even the wrestler. That's You reason. know, I was talking the other day about with somebody that the that Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, is the greatest wrestler wait, like, persona of all time. Wait, there's a, a wrestling character called the million dollar man and one called Steve Austin, which is the name of the million dollar man. So you're from the TV you're show. making it confusing. Let's yeah, just nobody, talk about there's nobody there's nobody who pauses wrestling to yeah, figure yeah. that out that problem. Ted DiBiase, he would bring a briefcase full of money and then after he would he would come out in the, the start of his intro was everybody has a price and then he'd come out in a suit beat you up and then stuff money in your mouth that's awesome that's the best wrestler suffocated ever. with cash just i don't need this money you eat it like oh that was cool it's too much for me yeah but then probably backstage you didn't get to keep the money no it, was, it, not, it, back, it yeah. wasn't like a tip that you no. got to there keep. was someone with an iron and a hair dryer cleaning off all the cash that was wet <laughs> oh, from man. your saliva okay. yeah. but i want to go through the other characters james did at bridgetown so opening night you do jesse the body ventura Yes. Tons of fun. I, I, I generally did these at a couple different shows. Right. Uh, and just to make sure they went well at least once. Night two, you do Sheriff of Nottingham. Yes, that was All super right, fun. Let's ask Sheriff Nottingham a science question. <laughs> uh, what is the... Wh- excuse me, Sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, uh, I'm merely holding court here, drinking out of my chalice. What is it you desire? Which animals are giving you the most problems in, in Nottingham Forest or whatever? What's it? Sherwood Forest? Or whatever. <laughs> Sherwood Forest. What what animals are really are really being troublesome right now? Uh, well, of course the king's deer are always present a logistical problem. <laughs> but they must be protected from the darkest animals around, Robin Hood and his merry men. I know he's been here, Mr. Whelan. Do you care to enlighten me as to his locale? Uh, he swung by, but he we we swore to secrecy. And you let him go. <laughs> so that was night two. Yeah, that was fun because like, you just go through the audience ransoming everyone, right? <laughs> looking for or, or like you know you just see somebody and be like, well, well, if it isn't Friar Tuck, I love it. Yeah, it's <laughs> just some guy. Oh man, um, yeah, you did it. Then we went and did it at the open mic, and then you went up as Sheriff of Nottingham, and then I had to go up right after with no character and just be like um and i just took all the paintings off the walls i think that i think i i saw that that was uh that was the art thief it was a character. bold yeah that was <laughs> yes that was your art thief character yeah. you just didn't have a costume I had no costume and i just was pulling paintings off the, the walls cat burglar yeah um the night three dove charney who american apparel oh. right i'm wearing 
Hey, Dove, I'm wearing one of your shirts right now. Oh, yeah, it's great. What is it, a half-cotton uh, burlap sack shirt? Yeah, it's real, I really appreciate it. It's, it's, like, super soft. This is made in Los Angeles, right? It's made in Los Angeles. It's environmentally sustainable, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I really want to get down to the rape charges. <laughs> <laughs> um, Once again, they are specious and without merit. Now, I heard, I heard that uh, early on you didn't have a copy editor to, to work on your catalogs, and you employed Howard Kramer. Is that true? I heard that he did some work for you. Look, Howard is great. And you know what? I, I'm waiting for him to just uh, pull back the affidavit and, <laughs> and undo the subpoena so that, so that we can let some of those pictures out. Howard, <laughs> Howard looks really good in my fall 20, 2009 catalog. He's wearing, uh, he's, he's wearing fake wool boots. <laughs> And uh, he's wearing the half a tard, I think. Isn't that? Well, yeah, it's a it's a it's a unisex half a tard, and he, of course he has a he has a a, a satin a satin uh, dick sling. Oh, I like that. That sounds great. Um, okay, and then and then on Sunday you were Mark Marin. Yes. So that was fun. I, don't, I didn't. I missed that show, so I didn't see it. But he, did, he did a couple of shows with Mark Maron. I did a couple of shows with Mark Maron. He did set list like, as Mark Maron with the coffee in my hand, yeah, <laughs> sitting on the, stool. on the stool. Yeah, man. Get I it. don't know. I don't know, man. Well, yeah, yeah. You, you look, find someone in the audience and just go. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the scratch in the face. It's getting your body as compact as possible. Like I love when you would try to like curl into the field position on top of a stool <laughs> as tight as possible. <laughs> Yeah, Mark, uh, Mark. Mark is the only person who's ever given me a constructive note about my impression of them. Usually, people were just like, "Take it or leave it." You know, they're like, "Yeah, they're I, like, don't, I don't. Oh, that's see great." It, or, or yeah. yeah, or like, "I don't see it. It's not me." Mark Maron was like, "Yeah, it's pretty funny, man." What was that thing you said about the stool? And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm a brain suffering on a stool." And he was like, "Yeah, see, that's not exactly it. It's more like I'm on the stool, but I'm giving back. I'm not just taking it and suffering." <laughs> <laughs> That's very self-aware great. of him. Very open. We got to get Marin on at some point. Probably not, but it would be interesting to see if we could pull that off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, you at one point you told us that we were going to have. Um, <laughs> we're going to uh, have Robert Plant. Robert Plant's, yeah. Plant's going to be on this podcast. Andy. Andy told us we'll shout out of the realm of possibility to get Robert Plant on this podcast. <laughs> it's possible. Oh yeah, he's always just cruising through the valley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cruising through the valley, looking for under the radar podcasts to be. On. You don't think <laughs> looking, around, looking at this looking at this backyard, you can't picture him. Hanging out like houses of the holy style with some naked kids on the steps, just his golden hair shining in the sun. He would love this backyard. Just talking about yeah, the but, latest in science news. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> By the, the way, we, we should probably uh, like we ask all our guests this, James. Do you, what is your background in science? What do you? Um, you I, I I only studied science in high school. I'm trying to think if I took any classes in college. I kind of switched over more to uh, liberal arts, probably. Uh, uh, to my own mental detriment, uh, when I got to college, I think I took a calculus class and barely passed it. Yeah, I think I barely passed a calculus class in college, and then uh, I think I took a physics class and failed it. But that was a that was a, in high school. It was great. I uh, I got an A plus in uh, AP Chemistry. Wow! And uh, I did you pass the AP test for that? I did. I, that's why. That's see. That's what. It, that, but I set myself up. To fuck up later because then I just didn't have to take a science class yeah, in college. And, yeah, and then I just like then I unlearned everything. Yeah, um, yeah, I knew chemistry pretty well, uh, and um, I was really good at math uh, in high school. So did you like nice. physics more? Like I, I feel I liked chemistry more than physics. What about you? Did you have a preference? I did too. Uh, I I liked chemistry because it seems like uh, the 
It seems like there were, it was like the rules were almost grammatical. Right. Yeah, very much so. Um, and so, there's exceptions, but then there's like, oh, that's a clear exception. Right. And it's like physics seems like there's a lot more variables to it. Yeah, physics know, is I, just super, super hard like I, word problems. I always felt the opposite. Like, I, I felt certainly like at high school chemistry, the stuff they tell you is constantly a lie. What? What are you talking about? Well, whenever, like... Well, I, I don't know about Britain, like, chemistry. Like, what are you in there? Like, air, air's not really a thing. Or, like, well, like, because every... I remember every- Helium is a stupid element. <laughs> <laughs> you wicked children. <laughs> well, everyone knows that, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's an element of frivolity. No, hold on. What are the lies Children's that you're what, what are these chem- what chemical are the chemistry lies? lies oh, you've got to get Jesse Ventura on time. I want to fight, get to the bottom. <laughs> what is behind hydrogen? Well, they, they constantly, all the way through every level of chemistry, they tell you the model of how things work. And then the next level, they go, actually, that wasn't really true. It's a bit more complicated than that. And then the next level, like the first level well, of chemistry. Well, that's right. It's like they're focusing a lens for closer and closer. Yeah, true. Right. But the more you get along. Like electron orbitals and things like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Or? That's a perfect example. Like, you know, chem- when, you, when you first learn about electrons, that you sort of think they look exactly like the planets orbiting around, orbiting around the sun. Yeah, there's one electron, there's the next one, there's the next one. And then they go, actually, it's in shells. And they go, actually, the shells are in these shapes. They're not, they're not just in orbits. Right. And then they go, actually, they don't really... This, that's more of a probability, probability cloud. cloud. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you never really... Whereas physics, all the way through, you are still... You're learning these... You're learning rules. And obviously, you know... I, well, I physics mean, also I mean, it still gets refined. You still get... Le- physics uh, seems to break apart uh, at the extreme scales... Right. Uh, well, that's true. I mean, you're still sort of learning things like Newtonian physics, and then later on they go, actually, that's only some of the truth. Right. But Newton was a fool. He was. Well, stupid, stupid Newton. Stupid yeah. Newton. He was a kid playing on the beach next to a great ocean, and the, the dumbass almost drowned a couple times. <laughs> Wait, really? What happened? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I just I now, think that was now his, whenever his, Matt talks, I'm like, oh, Matt's doing Sheriff of Nottingham too. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, he's been Silence doing Brooks. the most elaborate character. It's been yeah. many years in the making. Yeah, I haven't broken my accent once. Oh my god, I just heard about. Oh, I don't want to get off. This is really quick, but there was uh, a magic, a magician, or more of like a Houdini type, at turn of the century, call, called himself uh, Chung Ling Su. He was American, but his stage act was Chinese. Never broke character. No one knew he wasn't Chinese. He had a fake interpreter with him all the time. And uh, he never spoke English in public. His, his, his trick was to catch a bullet. It was a bullet-catching trick on stage. I remember. Have you heard that. about this? Yeah. Until one night, as the person's firing at him, something... <laughs> he finally breaks character when he says, something has happened, lower the curtain. It was the only time he ever spoke English uh, in public oh, in his wow. life. And he died that night. Because oh, shit. The Why? gun... There were two chambers. There was supposed to... Oh, no, to... I was hoping he died of heartbreak because oh. he had to break character. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, my God. Oh, shit. Oh! He oh, didn't oh, catch... My the... honor! The whole trick was like someone would mark a bullet and then supposedly put it in the barrel, but actually he palms the bullet, so he has it with him the whole time. But a, a, a barrel does go in the gun, but the gun is supposed to fire uh, the charge down into this blank thing below, but because it was so clogged up, it fired the real bullet at him and killed him. So crazy. But after the curtain went down? No, oh, no, no, it happened. Oh, okay. And then he said, something's happened, lower the curtain. And that was his final performance and only time he spoke English. I thought it would be awesome if he goes, he sees it, I, the way I thought you said it was, he sees it's about to happen, goes, something has happened, lower the curtain. They lower the curtain <laughs> and, and somebody goes, <laughs> and shoots him and anyway. Still kills him. I still well, gotta do like, a bit. He, I mean, he asked me. He asked me to shoot, yeah. right? <laughs> and That's now. what that means. <laughs> okay, uh, we should, Matt, you want to do the first topic? Yeah, well, it is a physics story, so I apologize to the people who are not fans of physics. But I, 
And it's not one I really understand very well, but it, it looks like... I'm a big fan of the podcast and all the scientific stuff, but I really fast forward through all the physics stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I like physics. I've always enjoyed physics. I but mean, there's usually one-sixth physics, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm over that thing. That's when I go up and wash the dishes or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it looks like um, scientists think they might have finally seen evidence for a famously elusive particle, um, and it's called the... Uh, it's called the, the Maj- Robin Hood particle. It's called the Majorana oh. fermion. <laughs> What's it called? It's called the Majorana. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right because it was named after a guy called an Italian called so Ettore, Ma- maybe Majorana, but it's named after him. And the thing, the thing that's interesting about this is it's uh, the particle is its own antiparticle. What's it called again? Majorana. Spelled, ma- spelled like M-A- major and then A N A. Yes. So it's its the Majorana. It sounds like how they would describe a villain. Like he is his own worst enemy. He is his own antiparticle. Do you not see? Do you not? That's the twist at the end. Yeah. That's the Fight Club twist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was just fighting himself. It's uh. really just one particle faking it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So what's going on with this particle? What's what's special about it? Well, it, what's special about it is it, like, every other particle has its own antiparticle. So for the electron, there's the positron. Uh, for the proton, there's an antiproton. And if they meet, they annihilate. But this thing... I don't exactly know how. But they, they annihilate and give off a bunch of energy. That's exactly the case. Yeah. Okay. That's what. That was. That was what. By the way, just as a side note, that was finally me through with Dan Brown. One of his books. Like he's a terrible writer. Anyway, I read the Da Vinci Code. So okay, well that's written like a film, and I can see why people like it because it whips along, but it's shit. But then the next book, I think it's Angels and Demons, or one of them. It's set in the Vatican. Right. And that someone's building an antiparticle bomb. And on page something like page ten, it just has an exp- it has a scientist explaining every particle has its own antiparticle. Like for the proton, there's the electron. Yeah. No, no, that's, <laughs> that's just <laughs> like I, that's it's I mean, a different charge, but it's not the opposite. Yeah, that, if that was the case, all of the universe would instantly disappear now, right, right yeah, now. Yeah. Like it just cause there's protons, there's billions upon billions of protons and electrons in a speck of sand. It's just um. But you just go. How did that get? How did that get? Like, if he, if he missed that, and his editors missed that, and everyone involved in the multi-million-dollar Dan Brown Empire missed that, nothing his research could be have any semblance of that. Like, he's That's just making point. shit up. What if he's really good with the other side of his brain? He's is, was his background law. Is that what his uh, thing I don't was? Know what I his forgot. background was. I think it was. No, I'm thinking of John Grisham. He's yeah. pr- wait. Tom Hanks didn't write those books. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Tom Hanks wrote those books. Dan yeah, Brown, Tom Hanks playing a character called Dan Brown. Dan, oh. Broad, Dan Brown, you understand, is a, like a fraudster with like uh, gloves with the fingers cut out, and he goes from <laughs> town to town with a long list of credentials that he unrolls. <laughs> um, so, so this particle is discovered not in one of the massive accelerators which are currently uh, searching for things like the Higgs boson, but a tiny, this tiny... The Hadron? Yeah. Okay, uh, not one of those, because it's kind of a fly-by-night... Junky yeah. little collider, yeah, some some backyard particle collider. <laughs> yeah, like not. I'm like, up here in Snake River, Idaho, and I'm colliding <laughs> particles at my own speed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do things a little different down here. Yeah, right. Slower pace collisions. Well, yeah, well, we'll collide a particle. <laughs> <laughs> bring bring me some more particles. Yeah, he's just he's just somebody who hates Europe. I ain't going no fucking. What I do is a strap a, a strap a electron uh, to to a. Uh... <laughs> The back of a, a micro, tortoise. To a micro machine, and I strap a positron to another micro machine, and I just race them at each other. Right. He's like, they over there, they use particle accelerators. My thing is rubber bands. I'm a big rubber band proponent. Yeah. I got science. I got peer reviews. <laughs> um, so this 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 thing, um, this this uh, acceleration is actually tiny, tiny. It's in the, it's in the order of just billionths of a meter. This is a nano. It's a nanowire, and a magnetic field applied along the length of it 
electrons in it were restricted to a certain set of energies. But this is the article that says, the setup created a specific gap in energy in which electrons could gather together, acting in synchrony as a Majorana particle. As a major one? Oh, as this, this particle we're that we're about. talking about. So it is made up of electrons that are just having a party together? I don't exactly know. If we've got any proper scientists who can write in and explain this, I know we do have real scientists who listen to this show, and it's, it amazes me. Do they do. still? Do they still have they, they still episodes? do. We get, we get messages every so... We got- are they grading it? <laughs> episode by episode? I think we're right at 60%. At the so end of it, we're going to get a fail. <laughs> Barely. Um, can we take a pass? Can I take a pass-fail? Yeah. This is. I, I hope that this is a pass-fail course. By the way, uh, while we're talking about our listeners, we I, we got an e- email this week from someone who was very grateful to find out that he wasn't the only one with a very specific obsessive compulsion as a kid. Right. Because we talked about OCDs a couple of episodes ago. The string it, thing, right? Yeah. I, I, as a kid, I had this OCD that where I uh, I had a few different ones, but one of them was I used to imagine there was like like an invisible string connecting people and connecting people to each other and to walls. So if I walked through them, I had to go out through the same path so we didn't get tangled up. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, that is a kind of like, yeah, that's like when your brain just grows a little bit too fast or something. Yeah. Right. What well, happened? Why, why is it that people grow out of that shit? When I, used, I, I used to have all kinds of little stupid things. With, like, the, the, the thing that I would do, I realized this a few weeks ago, girls had long hair and I had really short hair and I didn't know if you touched like hair, if they had nerves. So I would like always pinch Huh? Hair like girls' ponytails behind me, and I would do that, and then I realized like maybe that's why people thought I was a creepy weirdo <laughs> as a child. Like I was doing science, just, just touching Spirits. hair. Just... You're sort of thinking like you're in the Invisible Man. No right. one knows you. <laughs> yeah, what am I doing? I'm like a ghost touching. I can do. I can do this. They don't even know. Yeah, they can't feel it in their hair, but you can feel it. Still. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. Tugging at your scalp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like I was like, yeah, maybe that's why I had to go outside of school. That's to get what. A date. That's what threw off your scientific results. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, he's just pulling on my hair. I have a question about this uh, Maharaja Ma- particle. Maharaji? Majorana. Majorana, yeah. The Major Arcana. Um, what is... Uh, so it's it's a billionth of a meter now, uh, or... The thing, the thing that created it is this nanowire. Though in the particle itself will be particle size. It's tiny. Okay, okay. So, it's smaller than an atom. So the nanowire is what allows the electrons to come have a party together. That's exactly what it is. Basically, rather create... than having a massive collider, the equipment that they use is sort of in the nanoscale. Oh, okay. So is yeah. it... So is it... Is the nanowire like a the size of a string? Like a string theory string? Or oh, a... No, no, no. The no, nanowire will be much bigger than any... No, oh, it's a, it'll be a real in... physical object that you can see. Oh, where okay. Like okay. string... I mean, string theory strings are, so, are theoretical anyway, but they're... All that kind of stuff is smaller than an atom. Like it's right. Okay. Okay. We got. Oh, we got. We got um, to move on, don't we? I guess. Can you, sti- can you stitch together anything with like a string theory string? Like a really cool. You can stitch quilt. together a theoretical quilt. <laughs> little- uh, it's before. Very quickly before we move on, though, I do need to point out that the Ma- Ettore Majorana, the, the physicist who first came up with the, who first posited this particle, um, disappeared. Uh, he he went. He mysteriously went missing after withdrawing all of his money to go on a boat journey in 1938. Okay. Where in Italy? Uh, it doesn't say where. Uh, well, that would coincide with the early uh, approach of World War II. It would do. Maybe he was trying to get out. It would do. But he he gathered all his money, went on a boat, said, "Guys, at some point in the future, you may find out about this particle," and then got on the boat and was never seen again. Uh, I heard that uh, Charlie Chaplin was the one who killed him on a boat, and then that's why they built the Hollywood Hotel. Sorry, sorry. I heard that he said he could take a punch from anybody. Yeah, exactly. But he didn't flex his <laughs> stomach muscles in time, and Stu just gutted him. Well, yeah. That's what happened. Okay. Well, this this story I wanted to talk about is sort of near and dear to my heart this time of year, because um, now that the festival's over, I have tons of free time in my hands, but somehow this time of year, 
I always think, oh, now I'm going to be happy. Now I'm going to be blissful because I have all this free time. Uh, but according to a study done by, let's see where this was, where this took place. I am not actually sure where this took place, but uh, the study shows that if we feel too busy, it's probably due to too much free time. Um, this is a study that's it involved 200 students where they asked them to complete different five-minute tasks. Some of them had to cross out the letter E in pages of text. Others wrote a letter to a sick child. When surveyed I afterwards... what that was about. Wait, what, what was it about? Just you got a letter You got a letter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up? I have to do this for five minutes. Hope you feel better. Oh, wow. I didn't know. Oh, sick. <laughs> and no letter I'm e. so very cold. <laughs> <laughs> I like to do... I like to imagine that's how Matt goes to bed every night. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to tuck you in, James. You're about to be Matt. Uh, please, please keep it going. Hey, okay. Hey, Matt. Uh, good hanging out today. Real fun, man. How how you doing? You going to go to sleep now? Is there any supper? Well, we're out. We're out of food. I'm really sorry, man. I'm so frightfully cold. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you later, dude. <laughs> oh, God, uh, heaven. <laughs> that was fun. That was a fun improv game. Yeah. Right, let's go ahead. Can, I never can... realized I sounded so much like an orphan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not an orphan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, technically, everyone in Britain is an orphan. Oh yeah, that's what I thought. I do. Uh, <laughs> Sunday night at in Bridgetown, I feel bad. I, I was. Uh, it was like way late, and I was drinking, and I kept introducing to Matt to people he didn't know as Mr. Bean. Like, I don't know if you know my friend Mr. Bean here. I don't, <laughs> no don't one miss, laughed at all. It just seemed miss. like I was being really mean I to Matt. I don't even remember that happening. I think I was hammered, but I do oh, remember. Good. good, good. I do remember one point when I think in in Malaysia we were at a street market. And I tried to buy something, and a guy in a street market just went, Mr. Bean! <laughs> <laughs> like a Malaysian. That's great. Uh, sorry, Andy. No, that's okay. That's okay. So anyhow, in this, in this study, as I said, some of the students had to do this task that was, that was not selfless, that was just kind of tedious, where they were crossing out the letter E in pages of text. Others wrote a letter to a sick child. And when they surveyed them afterward, the group that wrote letters perceived themselves to have more time in general than those who did the crossing out. Where, I mean, neither one has more or less time. They both did this task for five minutes. In another experiment, one group of subjects were given a period of free time to do whatever they wanted, while another group had to do something for, every, had to do something for someone else. And those who did something selflessly perceived themselves as having more time than those with no obligations. So those subjects also reported a stronger sense of personal power and effectiveness. So it's sort of interesting because these days, uh, you know, Americans actually technically have more leisure time today than they ever have. And the article was saying, wouldn't it be ironic if all that free time contributes to the feeling that we have none? Which I sort of relate to because, yeah, when I finish the festival every year, I suddenly do have a lot of free time and I fill it with uh, meaningless bullshit and then always feel stressed like I don't have enough time to get things done. And I, you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense to anybody else or not? I don't know. But I, uh, I don't know about these, these fucking <laughs> dorks who made this uh, right. study. But that, did they do a show every night? <laughs> Are they, and have to and have to go uh, and also have to be an actor during the daytime. Well, then you're being you're busy. You're not being busy with with things that are. I guess you could argue those are trivial things. Um, do, you, do you feel like your time? I, I suppose like, that argument would be a valid one. Yeah. You would do have you, to let that stand. Do you feel as though you have not enough time in your day? Do you I guess I I guess I have enough time to continue existing. But you don't feel a stress of like, ah, I can't get all the things done I want to. Sometimes. Or I have. Sometimes I do. It goes, it, goes, it goes in waves, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Generally, when I feel like that, I just stop doing some of the things that I have to do until, until the deadline has passed and someone is angry. That's and then what I, I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll, no matter how much work I have to do, I can get 90% of it done. So I might as well have a bunch on my plate because I'll get more done. But no, I think if I have less to do, I'll do even a, an even smaller percentage of that work. I'll put off more of it. 
I've uh, I've got a good way of getting out of doing like writing packets and stuff. Like my manager will be like, "Hey, you should submit this writing packet." And to get out of it, if I don't want to do it, I'll go. I'll write it. If it's not any good, I won't give it to you. And then like she's like, "Do you have it?" And I go, "It's not any good. I don't want to give it." So you this. have mountains of almost good enough writing packets <laughs> yeah, exactly. in your basement, non-existent writing packets. And I'm like, "I did it. I just don't want to show it to you." <laughs> That's what it is. I don't want you to think less of me. As yeah, a, exactly. As sort of, it's sort of like the, the proof of Fermat's last enigma, right? When it's like, oh, I could, I could have written it in the margins, but yeah. it, there's not enough space here. But I have right. the proof. Don't worry. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's there. It's there. So anyhow, this this is going to be a study uh, released um, by Psychological Science in the near future. I couldn't. See, the article didn't specify who. Is it going to have a big? Uh, is it going to have a big photo spread? It better of people crossing out E's with their tongues sticking out of the side of their mouth working yeah. really hard. Yeah, that 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 was a boring topic. I'm doing a Whoa. That one was Ouch. boring. Um, that one I there's a was... rift across okay. the table here in the patio. Yeah. Well this one's this was a Excuse fun me. one I'm gonna do. Gigantic great white shark <laughs> caught in Mexico on Boring. Sunday. This is a cool one. Sharks. Um uh so and this is in, off the coast of Southern California here, but like down in Mexico. Uh these fishermen uh, also, the start of this article, you know, it's not super scientific because the it first starts these fishermen. No, it starts with we're going to need a bigger boat. That's how okay. it starts. It's like, all At right. At least it didn't start with call me Ahab. Right. right exactly. <laughs> I'm not I'm sorry. Call Ishmael. me Ishmael. God damn it. Or just oh, damn man. it. Or just fucking uh, sharks. All right. So these fishermen, these Mexican fishermen uh, just threw out. <laughs> call me Ahab. Uh, like, that's, so how the cliff, that's how the cliff's notes so start. I disappointed myself. <laughs> Listen, this is let's cut to the chase. Right. These these fishermen are are out fishing in a twenty two foot uh, panga, I think is what it's called, or skiff, um, and they just throw their nets out and they haul up fish. They start hauling up this one uh, net and they're like, oh, something in here, and they brought up a twenty foot two thousand pound great white shark that was dead. Whoa! So then they had to tow it in two miles on their twenty two foot boat. Whoa! Shit. Yeah, and they, there's pictures of this thing. It's how many how many feet long was the shark? Twenty. Twenty feet. And the boat was twenty two. Twenty two feet. Nearly as big as the twenty two foot shark. <laughs> Whoops, you know, yeah. slightly larger than the shark. Not yeah. as cool to say it that way. But I do. When they brought it up, uh, like nobody nobody was there. But like when they came in, they're like, "No, it was already dead when we brought it up." Because I think there's like laws, like you can't just kill great white sharks. So they probably brought it up. It was alive. They just stab, 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 yeah, dead. Yeah. No, it was. It had the stab wounds. We were when doing we a stab it party. It fell yeah. down the ocean stairs. Yeah, yeah many exactly. times. Uh, I think it OD'd. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So they just they are out fishing. Couldn't handle his drugs, man. <laughs> they brought in a 22, 20 foot giant great white and it was just like oh man this shark is so big that is scientific news that is that is rocking the world uh, the academic yeah. world is reeling from this information <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you cut off my study about the psychological impact of doing selfless work to uh, tell your awesome story about a big dead shark <laughs> scientists hey. at the Sorbonne have convened an emergency <laughs> session to come to grips with this giant shark that they found hey man we thought Newtonian we, we, we physics we has had- been disproven <laughs> We thought we had some good science going when Donnie found, like, a dead dog in the yard. (laughs) This potentially uh, uproots our entire understanding of shark sizes. (laughs) The nation's top stickologist brought in a really good one to poke it. Stickologist? If if they're, like, questioning how long the shark really was, because if it was over 20 feet, like they say, it would be, like, one of the largest great whites ever caught. Not the largest, it's just one of them. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) 
I mean, I'm I have just to trying to shoot you. I got to read this now. whole thing to figure that out. Uh, I don't know if I can handle that. What, do I got to read words and how to prepare oh, for my, this podcast. Oh my goodness! Came over here to swim. And you I, I will say this for sharks: I've never been. I'm not just being like macho. I've never been scared of sharks, and I'm in the ocean a lot. The idea of a shark is so. I mean. They're not. They're not. That's just a not direct threat. I've never seen one. I've never known anybody that was attacked by one. They're not scary to me at all. But you are a surfer. But I'm. I should be more scared because I'm in the water. But, but I don't, you've never seen one. Never. Oh, I've okay, seen so, like nurse sharks. I've seen tiny ones. Okay. That so, hurt you. but but let's let's test out your theory when you're face to face. Yeah. What are the chances of ever going to be? Big grinning mouth full of razor blades. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. You see that just, thing coming at you. Whistling in the water, <laughs> just a bird color. When and you hear shark that, color, when you hear that, it's too late. <laughs> that's that shark whistle. How how unthreatening would that be if that's what they were known for? Like whistling a jaunty tune on their way to. <laughs> <laughs> Every shark, when it's speaking English, is in a pirate accent, right? Like in the underwater. That's sure. like that's a rule for cartoons. No, I think they're just whistling the Star Trek thing. There's like yeah, but they're. <laughs> that's not true at all. Why would they be in a Star Trek? I don't know because it's a cool whistling song. They're, they're pirates. They're totally I pirates. think sharks are probably uh, probably driving around uh, screwing people over like human sharks do. Ooh, I like it. What type of shark? What, okay, here we go. What is a shark drive? Here we go. What? Yeah, a what, BMW. <laughs> so shark, you're saying a BMW, Matt? What do you think sharks drive? I think it's a 1960s convertible that it's done up. What convertible? You just said a cool convertible. shark. It's just some kind yeah. of convertible. It's any kind of open top. Yeah, that's a convertible. Yeah, I'm aware. Like a, like a cabriolet kind of thing. Like it could be, it could be anything. It's not necessarily a convertible. It could also be like an old, old, old car with no top at all. Right. right. Just, yeah. uh, so you're just saying. Six, off the top. What do you think? I'm thinking like an Audi, but like a high end one. All right. I'm I'm gonna guess the shark's angry because he has like a shit life. He's driving like a like a '91 okay. Prism, and he just like is like God, <laughs> yeah. gotta fucking kill somebody. Or like a golf buggy that he doesn't fit into properly. Yeah, yeah. He's really sandwiched in there. Um, okay, that was that was a terrible Sharks. question for everybody. What does a shark drive? That's real stupid. Uh, Matt, do you want to go on the next topic? <laughs> oh, go here, well, here, here's something. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go through the whole topic without doing the shit joke that the BBC put in. Uh, but a hen in Sri Lanka has given birth to a chick without an egg. What a live birth of a chicken? Yeah, without mammals. But, yeah, science. Here's the thing: the chick. The did the chick BBC were, make a joke about the chicken and the egg? That's exactly what they okay. did. Okay. Um, Which one crossed the road first? That's exactly what they said. Um, uh, and then how many it takes to change a light bulb? They did the whole work. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the mother did die, but the chick is fully formed and healthy. And the mother delicious. died. Oh my god. That's weird. Yeah, so they can't... So the mum did die in childbirth, but... That doesn't happen to chickens a lot, I didn't think. No, it doesn't, but normally, you know, the egg comes out rather than a live chicken. Right, right. Ooh. Well, maybe she should have had sex with a farmer or whatever happened to that mutant. Yeah. So did the baby God just made Adam and Eve, not chicken and bigger chicken. Chicken and... Bee- uh, let's not do that one. <laughs> so, so did they fry, her, they fry her up? I don't know. I don't, it doesn't say how they tender she was. Yeah, yeah. Immediately. They, they found the uh, fertilized egg had developed within the hen's reproductive system. But stayed inside the hen's body until hatched. Wow! And it, the the chicken died of internal wounds. Yeah, it got all clogged up. Okay, all right. That's like some seven style shit. That's yeah. That's eight. Or, yeah, or alien. Yeah. Uh, it full on just grew inside. Clawed from the inside out. This That's was in the Philippines. No Where was it? Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. 
which is off the coast of Africa, That's right? That's also where they Well, have... it's far off the coast of Africa. It's very close to the coast of India. India. Yeah. <laughs> Sri Lanka? What am I, I thinking mean, of? Technically, I'm it's really... off the coast of California, Oh, I'm too. thinking of Madagascar. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Listen, I had a pen pal from Sri Lanka who never wrote me back, so I have a real beef with that place. Was this a, so, pen, pal, so was this, this a pen pal that was set up through like a cereal company on a cereal box? It was through school, and like he did, never sent anything back. So did you opt for that, that pen pal rather than crossing out the E's? Uh, wait, no, I didn't. So I you're said, saying that your Sri Lankan pen pal went MIA? What? Oh, I like that. That was a good one. That was solid. <laughs> no one else. That's where MIA is from. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. okay. I now, I, now I piece it, it together. Okay. It's not funny, but um, accurate. Uh, good. I like my jokes to be accurate, if not funny. Chickens without eggs. I don't know. I kind of like eggs. Can we, let's not let's not rush that. Let's not figure out how to <laughs> yeah. cut the egg out of the chicken yeah. equation. Uh, that's a middleman that's kind of necessary, I think. That's a convenient. So wait, this this was not. We're gonna a, have to start eating baby chickens for breakfast. This was favorite, just favorite breakfast restaurant, James. Favorite? Yeah. In L.A. No, I'm just fast food. Favorite fast food breakfast. Oh, gross. No. Ew. I'm with Never? you. I don't like fast food breakfast very oh, much. That's all I order. Really? Yeah. I would say maybe just a coffee shop pastry or something if it's that bad. Yeah, that's normally what yeah. I eat. Nope. Me too. Small, small petit déjeuner. What do you get? What do you like? An Andy McDonald's? Uh, no, no, no. McDonald's. Is, okay, McDonald's is good for the McMuffin alone. That's that's good. But there, that ten thirty. That's a ridiculous cutoff time. So uh, you know, I never Jack got in the box all day long. Jack yeah, it's box. like for, if, McDonald's for for such a sloppy clientele. Why are you forcing us to be morning people? <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense at all. Like, like like McDonald's. Really, people are like rolling out of bed to like go like yeah. cry. And order food at your it's restaurant. Ten thirty-one. This is McDonald's. You sir need to buck up your ideas. Yeah. Why? Why are you? That's like a. That's like a boss schedule. Yeah. You're catering to people who have their act together and can't afford real food. Like, who are these people? That yeah. Maybe if you spend a little bit less time getting your tie knot perfect. And a bit. Okay. Let's anyhow, let's so go Jack around. The what, what do we think a tie knot is? What's a tie knot? Um, that's what you just said, right? Yeah. The knot in a tie. Oh, that's what oh, I thought right. it was too. God yeah. damn it! I thought it was like I thought it maybe was like a warning sign or like a like a, a legal announcement. Tie not. Tie Terry well. <laughs> what does Terry mean? That's a British old time word, isn't it? Terry. I mean that means to linger. It means to linger. Terry is to linger, right? Oh, Terry not as in don't, I don't Terry know, like not. T A T A R. Sally forth is when you would move out with an. So Terry's the opposite of Sally. That would be a good sitcom, right? A British couple who live together. Terry and Sally. Yeah, yeah. There was a sitcom called Terry and June that ran for a long time, but I don't think it was specifically about moving and then staying still. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. All right, you want to move on, Andy? Sure, why not? Uh, this this should be like a recurring segment, like Cameron Corner. Jim Cameron and his crazy uh, supervillain exploits. Because now Jim Cameron's getting into the field of asteroid mining. <laughs> Have you guys heard about that? And we're talking, just to be clear, we're talking about director... Billionaire. Director Jim Cameron, former spouse of Linda Hamilton. That's what he's known for, right? Former spouse. No, as I was going to go for is like his least known works. You know, director of The Abyss. So he wants to put Sean Connery on Mars at a mining shaft and have a bunch of comical disasters take place there. Exactly. Exactly. Do Uh, they have when you when you plan to mine an asteroid in space? Do you have built into your plan like the uh, doomed astronaut mission and everything? Is that like you have to factor that in for insurance purposes? Of course. He's already contracted Aerosmith to start writing the (laughs) final song for when they need to leave. Somebody, there is. Liv Tyler's already crying for some reason. I don't even know why. They definitely do plan for the worst. Though, like I remember seeing online, um, this on uh, on the Letters of Note blog, which is really interesting. Anyway, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's just loads of just interesting letters from different periods of history, from famous people and not so famous people. But one of them is 
it's a, it's basically a draft of the speech that Nixon would have given if the moon landing had fucked up. What? Oh, right. Wow. Was it Nixon? It was Nixon who was the president. When it was like, let me tell Johnson. you something, you Jew oh, motherfuckers. Wasn't Johnson re-elected uh, was in 68? I don't know. No. I mean, I'm no, sorry, no. Famously, famously, Johnson was shamed out of running for office because of the Vietnam War. Oh, really? Johnson was only elected once in 64. He was in office when Kennedy died in 63, but then just re-elected once. Yes, he usurped, he usurped the throne upon the uh, murder of JFK. There was a real Game of Thrones going on then. <laughs> so oh. do, you, do you think JFK was murdered? <laughs> I think that's... I think that's... That would be... That's the real conspiracy. It was a spontaneous explosion from internal natural causes. Nobody killed Kennedy. It was a controlled demolition inside his skull. Kennedy killed himself. There was thermite inside the... I don't know why I'm trying to do your own... Ah, uh, yeah. It was planned from within... Okay. Was not met with. <laughs> that would be fun, though. Yeah, Richard, I would love to see the different speeches that Richard Nixon would have given. What did they say he was going to say? Uh, man, to go went shit. <laughs> oh, it <laughs> sounded just like Nixon. Um, <laughs> win some, lose A couple some. of homosexuals sabotaged <laughs> the whole goddamn fucking uh. thing. Um, so wait, what's James so Jim, Cameron James doing? Cameron, I still don't know what he's James doing. James Cameron is partnering up with Larry Page, who's one of the Google co-founders. Uh, Eric Schmidt, also a Google chairman and board member. K-R- K-Ram Shiram, which is like, that's a sentence, not a name. I don't know. K-Ram, question mark, Shiram. I think K-Ram Shiram is a dance from the 70s. <laughs> it's just... I think it is. K-Ram Shiram. And then, uh, so it calls him a filmmaker and adventurer, Jim Cameron. Uh, also, former adventurer. Whenever you can add adventurer into your profession, that yeah. means that you're very, very rich. Yeah, yeah. You, I'm an adventurer. <laughs> I don't know why he's not also. <laughs> well, a, so am I, but I don't. I don't have money for equipment to go like professionally yeah. adventure. The only people who can really get away with being adventurers are millionaires and children. Yeah, let me. Yeah, <laughs> let me. Let me guess. You're not. Your adventure isn't taking the bus to Venice for the day <laughs> <laughs> with a little bit of mushrooms in your pocket. Yeah, adventures. actually, actually I like day labor that. Work. Is one of Jim Cameron's adventures. I took mushrooms and went and watched. Uh, Adventure down. I don't know what yeah, I'm talking about. If you breathe in and out loads of times, and then like someone punches you in the chest, you like you get dizzy. Have <laughs> any, has anybody tested hallucinogens in space? Can that happen now? Well, we're, we talked about <laughs> a few weeks ago. You do a space international travel. waters. You can do space travel. You, uh, like um, for two hundred thousand dollars, privatized space travel, you get to go up technically into space, which is what one hundred kilometers. One hundred kilometers. Uh, yeah, like up miles. is technically space. You get to go up there. Free float for six minutes and come down. Someone Do you think people go up there and come back and then bitch about how it wasn't really space? I'm I know. Sure. I think they. I think they spend enough money that they will swear at space, and then other friends will go, "Yeah, but it's not really space. It fucking is space." I was in technical space. Uh, <laughs> spacier than where you've been. I was the sixty-fifth person to go into technical space. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so Jim Cameron, adventurer. I have a statue. It's made of wood, but it's still a statue. <laughs> I think you'd also call him like a gadfly and a roustabout, probably. Those are other words you're only going to hear applied to super rich or what does that even gadfly, mean? Gadfly, yes. yes. Uh, and then former Microsofter. Enfant terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible child. Charles Simoni and Ross Perot Jr. Those are all the guys. Now, this is, now why? This is just a comical assemblage of people. I want this to be. Yeah. This is what, yeah, what is why going on. Someone... Ross Perot Jr.? Why don't you have Hank Williams Jr. on there too? Yeah. <laughs> I want to have them all living in a house together with Richard Branson and like uh, who's the guy? Mark Cuban. Like have all those guys 
have to live in a condo together and get taped reality show style. So anyhow, uh, <laughs> that would be the they, best thing ever. They unveiled this plan in Seattle last week, and they touted it as a new space venture with a mission to help ensure humanity's prosperity. Um, they've given little away to the market other than a press release uh, flagging the launch event. The project's being run by commercial space exploration experts Peter H. Diamandis, Eric Anderson, um, and Chris Lewicki, who's a former astronaut. Or he's a former NASA Mars mission manager, and uh, Tom Jones, who is a NASA astronaut. Um, and singer. And a great singer. Uh, the release states that the company. <laughs> I will... never knew he was an astronaut. I didn't know he was also an astronaut. <laughs> he actually, yeah. If he'd have, a, if he has a really good mission, he uh, <laughs> he just tells people uh, the code to his uh, his launch capsule, and they'll just come over and party afterwards. <laughs> I do want to hear a Tom Jones space concert. That would be. Um, the release states the company will overlay two critical sectors: space exploration and natural resources, to add trillions of dollars to the global GDP. This innovative startup will create a new industry and a new definition of, quote, natural resources. I don't know why those are in quotes. but uh, So they're going to go up to asteroids and uh, find, you know, mine something from them. They didn't name what they're going to mine. They just said, we're going to do it. Yes. By, by Impercevium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unobtainium. <laughs> what year is this supposed to go down in? doesn't say any of these things. See, of say, course it doesn't. Well, I love this that is going to happen around when the space elevator happens from last week's episode. Exactly. <laughs> there are a bunch of billionaires who want to go up and mine shit from space, and they're going like, no, 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 it's to save the world. I love how they always say what they're yeah. doing is good guy stuff. Yeah. 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 If, there's, if, it's, if it's fantastical enough and there's nobody obviously uh, experiencing the misery on in in their draft of their business plan, then it's humanitarian. Exactly. We got this plan that could help Earth, and it'll just cost us uh, two hundred trillion dollars. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get a we'll get a bit of platinum out we'll of it. We'll get more metal. <laughs> the, out of metal, you know, yeah, for that for, for the, bullets and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, why why don't you make an effort to uh, remove billionaires from power? <laughs> right. This goes yeah. straight and in. So we don't have a nuclear war. This uh, 200 billion project will get us the metal that we can invest back to maybe fund a $20,000 irrigation product. <laughs> <laughs> this goes straight into the next topic, uh, which is about, yes, yeah, is science, but then they they say it's for uh, it's for the Department of Defense. So it's just clearly, this is that we're making this thing to kill people real quick. Uh, an unmanned... That, that, this proves the Kirshen rule then. Something was made for war purposes. Yeah. So much war. stuff, like... So many internet developments and, and technology developments were for porn or for just seeing, like, photography, film. There was just ways of people seeing naked people. Right. And then so much other stuff was developed because it was a good, it made it more efficient to kill people. That's, that's exactly what's happening here. We're, we're testing um, hypersonic flight, like uh, going 20 times the speed of sound, so Mach 20. Uh, the, right now, it's used to kill people, but maybe in the future, in like 50 years, it'll just be you know a way to travel through space super fast or something. Yeah, with all those people who are left behind. Wait, right now we can't travel through space at 20 times the speed of sound? It's not that fast. Well, I don't know. Anyway, and this is what, <laughs> the, Moving on. No, yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I'm just saying... Speeds wood over here. That's only... Four, not that that's, fast, Andy. I'd like to see you Mach, run that quickly. Mach 20 is only 14,000 miles an hour, which I'm pretty sure... Well, this says 13 miles... 13,000. Okay, so that, that was my estimate off the top of my head. Pretty close, wouldn't you say? I was at home listeners surprised. within a thousand. Nice back of the uh, envelope math there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hold on. Let me just get into it. An unmanned hypersonic glider likely aborted its 13,000 miles per hour flight over the Pacific Ocean last summer because of unexpectedly large sections of its skin peeled off. Oh, this isn't in space. I thought you said uh, it was in space. No, I'm saying currently they're, they're blasting uh, 13,000 miles per hour, just 
like man, like uh, they through some sort of atmosphere. No, ju- yeah, I mean, just probably high up in the atmosphere, okay. maybe technical space, but I doubt it. Um, so anyway, but they're they have this glider that goes thirteen thousand miles per hour, and they want to use it for like immediate retaliation purposes. Like, oh yeah, you're gonna like to get bombs places really quick. And uh, they've had two trials, and each trial has uh, ended badly in the last two years. And this one, it was going 13,000 miles per hour, and then all of a sudden it just start, everything got r- stripped on it. Like, it had tiny little creases from where the metal was, like, wow. so it down and just pulled it off. And what about, the, what about the thir- clothes of the people inside it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the, their <laughs> were, clothes were off. And they were left naked again. <laughs> Just the it was just an co- experiment to show people naked. <laughs> I'm beginning to suspect the scientists involved like, in charge yeah. of this project. It was like in cartoons where in, like the like airplane goes down, but then the person stays seated <laughs> and continues flying until they realize there's no and then, plane, and then they fall. They should have. They forgot to apply the 13,000 mile an hour tape that Alonzo told us about last week. Right? Oh, yeah. Really? yeah. Well, yeah. We should have. We should have had Alonzo Bowden here last week. We do. I, I just, mean, this week because well, this is all space shit. The guy. No. It is. Although we have a like, we've got space royalty. I didn't really, like you. <laughs> met, you met James mentioned this on the drive over. Uh, his grandfather was a was a space scientist, a mathematician. What? Uh, yeah, I don't know if he was a space scientist. It, well, he worked on a aerospa- number of different projects. Yeah, aerospace engineer, according to Wikipedia. Aerospace engineer. Yeah. Oh wait, uh, your grandpa's on Wikipedia? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Georgia Domian. <laughs> This he was an Armenian-American mathematician who developed the Adomian decomposition method for what? solving nonlinear differential equations. What? Hold on. Yeah. Are you kidding? No. It, well, no. Wikipedia doesn't kid. Uh, that's it's, true. Uh, yeah, that was my grandfather. He was he's well known actually. I uh, he there's like institutes devoted to studying his work. I can't understand it, but um, your your direct grandfather. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the idiot's version of it that I understand is that uh, the Adomian decomposition method is a way to um, approximate solutions to uh, otherwise ins- unsolvable or almost unsolvable um, uh, partial differential equations and stuff. And uh, the, it's it's like it's faster and more efficient than supercomputers. Um, wow. Where and, did your grandpa work? Uh, at the University of Georgia. Cool. Most of his time. So this is in what era? Like what decade was he doing this? Oh, I guess I guess uh, the 70s and 80s uh, into the 90s. Is he still alive? Mm. No, he's he, he died a few years ago. Did you know him well, though? And the- yes, I mean, <laughs> it was his grandfather. <laughs> but but <laughs> it's not like if, his third cousin. Okay, okay. In my defense, I like, was I was scattered across the country. I don't know how often you visit. Sometimes you're not as close with grandparents if they live far away from you. I right? Know. No, I was uh, I was in high school when he passed away, so I knew him fairly well. But he was in Georgia his whole life, and you were out west. Well, or? no, he traveled a lot. I mean, he traveled uh, he traveled he traveled the world doing mathematical conferences. Right, right. So he we'd see him. You know, he'd, he'd visit us and we'd visit him, that kind of stuff. Nice. Dude, that's crazy. I, some of my earliest memories are of um, uh, either picking up my grandfather from the airport where he's getting back from a, the, Japan or the Soviet Union. Yeah. And then like just and he would have fr- he would have friends who were these like international scientists who would come over to his house. And, you know, I get to meet them when I'm like running around trying to kick people in the leg at like, the age yeah. of five. So, well, that's a little old to be doing that. Maybe this the age is, of four. That's, fine, no. that's my grandson, James. He's really into punching dicks right now. So watch <laughs> out around him. Did they look the part of international scientists? Yes. My memory. I mean, the, the, yeah, yes. you don't have a Nobel Prize in guarding your bulls. Yeah, exactly. I just got it. Yeah, smart people who sit around uh, quietly chatting and playing chess. Wow. <laughs> it's, that's pretty much what I remember. 
I'm just picturing giant. I'm picturing it way more 70s than it would be because you're not. You were born in the 80s, correct? But yes, I'm just picturing guys with just big ass bushy sideburns. Just my my stereotypical scientist, is 70s, a 70s scientist, 70s scientist. You know, he had like tweed jackets or like elbow patches, but also crazy facial hair. I don't know if pipes. scientists are generally uh, fashion forward. <laughs> and- <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't know if they follow along with the uh, styles of the time. Maybe they're dragged along five years behind everybody else. I'm not else. saying cool sideburns. I'm saying weird, unkempt sideburns. No one else can picture the '70s scientist. That's like what I always go to when someone says they were a scientist. I'm currently after your description. I'm pr- picturing uh, John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, they have white, like white leisure suits, white I one had piece. A, my physics professor in college. Uh, one when he, we were talking about sound waves, he brought in his guitar. He was in a band and just played guitar <laughs> for, an hour, oh. for the whole for the whole like like 300 kids auditorium he's like we're going to talk about sound waves today i'm just going to show you guys you know when i do this this is what's actually happening and then he just we were like hey can you play like stairway to heaven and he was like yeah i can i don't want to and then he played like i'm more of a punk rock kind of guy they're really dinosaurs oh man and he played for the whole time it was great oh and yeah once you know that you can get just one song's ending do you know do you know anything but yeah yeah we just like no physics questions, just guitar questions. <laughs> I, just, got to, yeah, I just was, tried Googling 70s scientist sideburns, and basically Isaac Asimov might be who I was picturing all this time. <laughs> but also uh, interesting to note that Neil Diamond came up on the Google image search for 70s scientist sideburns. Hell yeah, he did. <laughs> I was watching The Last Waltz. He, he, was, uh, he was the model. Uh, MIT recruited him for their... Uh, they're, they're, they study the him. prototype of how Scientists their scientists can't look. focus on their parents, so we just need a prototype that they can all copy <laughs> and to Neil avoid Di- confusion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Neil Diamond is willing to step up to the plate. <laughs> Hell yeah, he is. Um, all right, now we'll just we're not going to do historical science today. We're just going to talk about historical Bridgetown. <laughs> Why not? To we'll just recap the weekend that we had there. It was super fun, Andy. It was a delight. What, how was your week at Bridgetown? My week was good. It's always kind of crazy because I, I always have these like last minute things I have to run around and try to try to fix. As Andy Wood's a busy guy in Portland astray. in uh, that week in April. But it's fun. God, it was nuts this year. It was too big. We had 250 comics, which I think might have been the thing was kind of bursting at the seams. And, I told 90 uh, percent of them that they were trash. Yep. <laughs> I did. I just was going up to people and go, you're trash. They didn't like it. The people I didn't know did not appreciate it. You didn't even know. I love yeah. it. 225 worthless souls yeah, exactly. in your eyes. Human garbage. But I think it went well overall. I mean, I heard, I heard good feedback from people. The shows I saw were fun, and the shows that I was trying to fix as things were going technically astray were, were still pretty good. So, Oh, and James, you just recorded your CD, your first CD. Yeah, I did my album, my first album, The Night Before Bridgetown at Helium. It was, it was great. When's was it going to come out? Uh, in May, I believe. Sweet. So everyone follow James on Twitter. You should anyway. And f- yeah, yeah. And I mean, just in, gen- in general, if you're a member of civil society, you um, should be following me on Twitter. How did you record it? Did you do two shows and you're going to stitch it together or one, one and done, one show? Well, that would have been the way to do it. <laughs> what I did was I had eight shows, but they were, re- they were really small. They were eight, ten minute sets, and I'm going to stitch them together. <laughs> Oh, it's, so it's well gonna, thought out at all. No, no. yeah, it's going to be a patchwork quilt. That's nice. Um, yeah, I did two shows, and uh, I, I, uh, I'm going to edit them together soon, I guess. Yeah. And this is going to be the first comedy album put out by Earwolf. Correct? It the will be. Network. Yeah, it will oh, be wow. Ear, Earwolf and James Adomian's uh, debut comedy album. Well, that's that. And then, didn't like you real. also for Earwolf record the Jesse Ventura conspiracy theory show? I did. I recorded some of the character shows I did at Bridgetown, but. Um, 
the, we put a lot more effort and in planning into recording the stand-up shows. Yeah, yeah. So I have I'm gonna have to look and look at those and listen to them and see. I I, I don't know if I'm gonna release them or maybe as clips or something. But yeah. they're, they they exist in some format. I do want to see them. I didn't get to see them there, so I want to see some footage. Bonus tracks. Yes, something like that. A little secret track. Or maybe, uh, maybe what's the opposite of a bonus track? A detrimental track? <laughs> it takes away from the value of the album? <laughs> it was real good. Then we got into the bonus features and it did not need to be added to it. Is the anti-matter of comedy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Demerit yeah. tracks. Yeah. That was, nice. What was your highlight, Brooks? I actually really liked being Jake the Snake Roberts. That was really fun just because... You played the part well. I was surprised. Yeah. It was great. Well, I was like... <laughs> no, I meant it was like a perfect costume and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I came out and just... Uh, and I was, I was... I'd been drinking and I was like, ooh, uh-oh. And then I was like, what am I talking about? Jake the Snake? He, of course totally he drunk. would be drinking. Yeah, yeah it was great. <laughs> he kept feeling crack from... Uh, and then I, then I was like sitting there and everybody was talking and I was like, oh, I'll be quiet for everybody while they're, while they're do, being interviewed by uh, Jesse Ventura. And then I was like, wait, Jake the Snake would shout during this whole thing. <laughs> So I just interrupted everybody. It was real fun. Luckily, Jake the Snake Roberts is a terrible media personality. <laughs> yeah. That was working in your favor. It was working real well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and just, just just hanging out till like five in the morning. Super fun. Yeah. Every night those parties were, were nuts. Well, was... How about you, Matt? What'd you like? Well, I li- I had just one night in Bridgetown. Oh, that's I was, true. That, I forgot. I that. was in Winnipeg until Saturday night, and then or sa- sa- Sunday morning. So yeah, I, I came into Bridgetown. We did set list. Which was great fun. For the at-home listeners, Setlist is an improvised stand-up show where the audience and the performers see the topics at the same time as they're projected onto the wall. And that's the jumping-off point for what the comic is supposed to do as though it were the plan for their yeah. act so we the had, time. That, went, that was really cool. We had a lot, you, you did your first Setlist. That was oh, fun. Yeah, Pete, that was really fun. Pete Holmes killed that. Pete Holmes is amazing. He got, one of, he got one of them. And he, you know, you're supposed to do like a, like a two-minute chunk on the suggestion. And there was one of them he just turned into a one-liner. Yeah, it was like it was, uh, oh, oh I know I, I remember it. It was uh, it was um, the, the 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 topic that came up was um, disaster envy, and he just goes like, and he's like, uh, I feel weird. He's like, I feel weird. Like, uh, well, what's the guy's name? Damn it, he said, uh, uh, oh, Sean Penn will visit New Orleans after a hurricane, but he won't just come hang out with me because I'm cool. <laughs> I have disaster envy. <laughs> that's awesome. uh, that's uh, that is really funny. It was great, and then it finished with uh, with James doing his impression of Marin. <laughs> Mark Marin there. James that was d- that was a lot of hurdles. It, that was a lot, being yeah. a character and James doing Mark Marin doing set list. <laughs> yeah, the, I was I was like imagining it as you were doing it. What your brain had to be going through right then, and I couldn't even wrap my head around. These it. are all polite ways for saying it almost worked. No, it was right. great. It, it was, was great. And the whole time perfect. I'm thinking about the levels, you must be thinking about it as where you're like improvising a set, trying to do it in the voice of this other character. But also, that's the uh, that's one of the only gigs where you could ever get away with doing that because like the Bridgetown audience is one of the few audiences that would have a sufficiently high percentage who actually know no. who Marin is. Yeah, right. I mean, I enjoy doing impressions of comedians because I'm around them all the time. But like, that's not something you're going to generally do. At a stand-up set yeah, for yeah, most right. people. Yeah, I mean, Marin's, Marin's known, but he's not household name enough for you to get away with that at a regular gig. Um, yeah, what do you talk? Wait, 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 what does that mean? <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> what do you mean, nobody? Um, I remember I was sitting at the after party on Sunday, and then, Matt, you got me like a beer or something because I didn't have any money. Uh, and it was like the only time you had to get money. And I was like, sorry, I guys. Sorry, one of the four nights was cash bar. I'm sorry, the 14 cases of vodka, the six cases of <laughs> no, gin, I'm not complaining. The 100 cases I'm of dishes, the 30 cases of Pepsi. So I arrived on the one day we actually had to buy drinks. Yeah, but the no, rest but of the nights, anyway, it was flowing like water. Matt bought me a beer, and then he walked away. And I was standing next to this guy I didn't know or whatever, and he's like, that, that guy's on a podcast with Andy Wood. Yeah. And I was just standing there, I go, oh, yeah, I heard it's trash. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, that was it. And I just walked away from him. I didn't say, yeah, it's also I'm on that too. I just, I just go, yeah, those guys are doing real stupid things. That was the power move. And then he that pa- was the power. It would have been weak to have, to have made a stand there, make yeah. a big scene. No, yeah. yeah. You don't want to be like, it's you behaved. Also. You behaved like royalty. Yeah. So yeah, all I got from Bridgetown was I got two. I, I did one other gig. I did two gigs, then drinking, and then a hungover flight home. Yeah, I found out what Matt's like drunk. He just stands and smiles. That's all that happens. He just stands there and smiles while I go, hey, did you guys know Mr. Bean's here? That's all that happens. Like somebody spiked his gruel. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what British orphans are like. They're, they're polite drunks once they finally get turned on to, to Brandy. Please, sir, I don't want more. This is making me weird. Headmistress. Headmistress. Something is off in my gruel. Uh, Domian, what was your favorite part about Bridgetown? I have to say the tanker, as always. The tanker? Is this the fourth year of the tanker? I'll explain this to the listener. Uh, this is, I believe, the third or fourth. This was an idea Riley Newton had, a very funny comic who helps with the festival, um, to add another venue to the festival, which was just a neighborhood bar that happened to be adjacent to a large theater. It's not a performance space at all, but they put down a uh, just a piece of plywood across one of the booths and then just fixed up a rinky-dink little light, and it became a stage, and the idea was that it's going to be a, a stage the entire weekend without a single scheduled show. So every night, just a nonstop open mic of sorts that's just policed by uh, whoever's running the room, and they'll, you know, they'll put, if, so, if a big name drops in, they'll bump them up and put them on. So so the audience doesn't know what they're going to see all night. It could be uh, just comics just starting off. And the audience just gets to wander in and out freely as well. Well, I mean, right. it's $5 to get in. Or oh, is it, your pass gets you in, or it's a, a reasonable price because, you know, we can't guarantee who's going to be there, but every year big people show up and it's a lot of people's favorite place to perform because it's so loose and yeah it's really really fun I got I always one, love the, the only part that I read that I was mentioned I wasn't even mentioned it was they were talking about James's set at Tanker as Sheriff of Nottingham and then they go after that another drunk comic got up and made generally generally made a mess of things. <laughs> That's all it said. Was that your was that your big write up? Yeah, it just said another comic got up and genuinely made a mess of things. Because I just I took down all the paintings and just read Trivial Pursuit cards. Perfect. And then just threw the Trivial Pursuit cards whenever I was finished with them. Yeah, the tanker is like a perfect play. How many people squeeze in there? Like maybe fifty or I, I feel like 60, there could 70? be more, but not many more. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a packed. Bar-sized bar, yeah, and it's just a bar-sized bar. It's a bar-sized bar. Great sound system, and you're just—it's such an electric atmosphere in there. I really love it. Was it packed when you were in there? Oh yeah, I mean, I—I mean, I kind of—I bring fifteen. That was super fun. Yeah, we we cruised over there, and then went up, and it was like it was real rowdy. And then uh, so I was like, I'm not going to do a set, and then. Once you see someone else go up, you get super jealous if you don't. Yeah, you want to yeah. go up there once you. That's the thing is like yeah. it's it's also really fun because uh, material doesn't seem appropriate for that's, the space. Yeah, that's what so. I meant by I'm not going to do a set. I oh, meant like I'm not going to do jokes. written material. Yeah, that was yeah. that was the other gig that I did right. That was the only other. Yeah, and you killed there also. Yeah, but that was I came over with Matt and he. Yeah, and and Jay, yeah, we all came over straight off the set list. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. I love it. I love that's actually my favorite kind of show to do in anywhere is you know one where it's not appropriate to do your material your material right. and the I audience love it when, you, that. when yeah. the audience is on board with that and they want to see you experiment yeah. and do something yeah, well, improvised well, you can, or or you can do your like I did I did material but I I talked about the room you first you see I think that's a mistake <laughs> I wouldn't have, no. but also you can't, I'm sorry, you can't I was do material that you've got to kind of talk 
Yeah. I was there booing while Matt was doing his material. Yeah, but you weren't even looking <laughs> at me either. You were looking, you were booing the wall. You were, bo- you were booing everything by yeah. that point. Uh, no, um, no, I thought I had a fun set when I like did the paintings thing and then I read up like, oh, I made a mess of things? No, it was a fun, you're not going to do material there? That's, that's got to be the only time somebody has done something drunkenly and then found out later everyone else didn't find it as amusing. Hey, as I was did. told it was great. No, but I did love Matt's set because you did material, but you also did it so, uh, effectively and uh, I don't know what the word for it is just confidently I guess that the audience that's it can be a rowdy audience there but they shut up and everyone was listening to you and you you had them you strung them along it was great to watch yeah they, it, it's it's an it's a rowdy audience yeah but uh, they're not they're not like monsters like they will shut up yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've played enough shitty like properly shit rooms to right, know that right. was that was actually quite a nice room no fun. it's not bad at all no no but I was saying they, they even stopped the little amount of talking that was going on when you when you were like here are some joke bombs that you're going to love that you can't deny. I like it. That's right. how I introduced every bit. We if, should probably wrap this up. Yeah, because we're going to try to go to Cabin in the Woods. Uh, we missed it by a long shot. Oh, we're not going to go to Cabin in the Woods? Know. Go to the and next and It started sudden, 20 minutes ago. It's suddenly yeah, it out of the... Bus. You know what? I can, you can catch up with it. <laughs> yeah. I bet that they're just now getting to the Cabin in the Woods. There's a spinning cabin. I think it's a separate floor is spinning. All I know about the movies what I've seen in billboards leads me to believe it's like a Rubik's Cube of a cabin and that's, that's all that happens is like this floors rotate. Well, we'll find out. What it's about? I don't know. All the listeners have seen it by now. Yeah. Yeah. So we sound like real idiots. Yep. James, thanks for coming in. Uh, Any gigs coming up that our listeners should know about? Yeah. um, I'm going to be in San Francisco at Snob Theater on April 27th. And then I'll be at Moon Tower in Austin uh, for the Super Series show on April 28th. And then I'll be uh, in New York for an Occupy Wall Street show on May 1st. And then I'll be in Atlanta the first weekend in May. Wow, that nice. sounds fun. At Is Laughing, Skull. Skull? At Laughing Skull. I gotta yeah. go there. I still haven't been. I've heard it's great really things. It's really fun. Cool. So go check James out. He is hilarious. And I'll be in Athens also when I'm in Atlanta. Nice. The night before. And watch for his album whenever it does come out on Earwolf.com. Oh, yes. Is there Look, a title for it yet? I think I'm going to call it Low Hanging Fruit. I like it. I like it. <laughs> sounds fun. It was great. I was there for one of the tapings and I was really impressed. It was a great hour. Cool. And and as always, we should point out, uh, email in, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Um, probablyscience at gmail.com and Tumblr slash probablyscience if you've got any corrections, comments, complaints, praise. Counter theories. We're going to be on top of stuff. i got so much time in my hands now that we'll be, if you were worried about us not responding in a timely fashion, rest assured, I will get back to you if you have anything to say about the podcast. So. So yeah, please do please do email in and please keep following us and write nice things about us on iTunes because that's really cool to see. And tell we, your friends also. Oh, yeah, you check. You, I never even there's like comments on iTunes. I always forget are. about that. And so far, so far they've been nice. So I'm waiting for the first fucking stupid fucks because eventually it'll have to happen. I can't uh, read. I don't. I can't read comments. My my uh, physically cannot read. My them. soul can't take it. I just in my mind I'm like they're all going to be like great. Oh, we hate Brooks. <laughs> so I don't look. Great, we made a mess but of we things. Hate Brooks. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's publicly said that you're bad. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks, we for, love you. thanks for listening, uh, and we'll be back next week. See you later. Adios. <laughs>